Good morning, everyone. Everybody doing good? All right. Good to hear most of you are. That's awesome. So, hey, there's nothing like the presence of God. Thank you. There is nothing like the presence of God. Nothing like his presence. We're going to get started on this today. And, you know, the presence of God truly is something to be excited about, something that, um, you know, I don't know that it's possible to truly take the presence of God for granted. Um, and, and, of course, I pray that, that that's never a place that I find myself in is, is taking the presence of God for granted. But, you know, here's the reality. Without the presence of God, you and I truly are nothing. We truly can do nothing apart from the presence of God. So we're going to be focusing on that, I think, for the rest of this year. And what I'm going to bring to you here in just a few moments is a word that we heard, a message that we heard um, our final day at convention, and we're Foursquare, and so I want us to know and to hear what's happening through Foursquare, and I believe what God is speaking to Foursquare, I should say, uh, the denomination, because that's who we're a part of, that's who we are, and uh, what is God saying to our denomination? What is important? Where is he leading us over the course of the next few months, over the course of the next few years? And really, when we talk about the presence of God, it's for the rest of our lives. We cannot take his presence for granted, and in fact, should really make us excited to understand uh, the reality of the presence of God. Well, tonight, I'm going to be heading up to, uh, this evening, I'm going to head up to camp and just be a part of the evening service. Um, I uh, was able to take my boys up there after the wedding for Luke and Emma that we had Friday night, so they are actually driving to Miami right now to get on a boat, apparently, and go somewhere on a boat on a cruise, and so they'll be back next Sunday, so so excited for them, but anyway, just getting up to camp uh, late Friday night, you could really sense the presence of God. Service had just let out uh, by the time we made it up there, and so I think we got up there about 10 o'clock that night, and I stayed for 30, 45 minutes, made it home, but um, I want to go this evening, as Doug was mentioning, it is the last night of camp, and uh, my pastor, Pastor Dale, is speaking this week uh, during the evening services, and uh, while I was there, I was able to see him and hug him. He said, Everyone, please be praying for tonight's service. I want us to do that real quick, but everyone, please be praying for tonight's service, um, that the kids, that the youth are able to experience God's presence, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Can we do that? Lord, we pray, uh, even this morning as our youth are meeting across our districts, Lord, uh, and over in Gastonia, Lord, I pray for the presence of your Holy Spirit to be poured out. God, I thank you for the um, I believe they said there were 12 or, or so kids that were saved on the very first night of camp. We rejoice in that, and we are so thankful for that, Lord. And God, I pray that even tonight there would be more salvation, people filled with your Holy Spirit, called into ministry. Thank you for uh, the opportunity they have to be at camp. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So, uh, and as Doug said, our kids will be heading out on Friday. The elementary age will be heading up there, so... Um, it's going to be a good time, so uh, I'll let you know how it goes next week and uh, when we come back together. So looking at this, um, by the way, let me make one more quick thing. If you want to hang around for the beginning of the second service, I promise you will not regret it. Um, we're going to have, we'll open up with the first song. We'll do the announcements and the offering. That way you can give twice. We just talked about giving, so just kidding, <laughs> just kidding. During the offering time, though, uh, Luis and Sonia Artiega, they um, are the pastors of the 
Little Grace here, Philadelphia, that meets here uh, at one o'clock. Her parents and sisters are in town. So they're going to do, I try to get them here for both services, but they're going to be able to make it to second service. They're going to do a special song for us. Um, her dad wants to greet our congregation because he's a Foursquare minister in Columbia, South America. So he wants to greet us. And if you can't stay, we went over there for some authentic Colombian food Monday night, and it was so good. But anyway, he said, please tell your church, thank you, thank you, thank you for welcoming them, for accepting them, for allowing them to, to be here. But anyway, if you want to hang out just for the first part of the second service, I promise you, you'll be blessed by them. Um, but that's going to be coming up too. <coughs> well, this year in our series, in our, in our theme for the year, we're talking about wholeness, right? The Holy Spirit uh, living within us. We know that Jesus Christ is our healer. He's our Savior, baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He's our healer, soon coming King. And uh, so we're taking this year to talk about how he is our healer and how he brings us wholeness. And Mr. Stowe has said several times when he uh, is up here, has an opportunity to share, really taking us from a place of brokenness to wholeness, whether that be in our physical bodies, um, whether that be in our finances, as we just finished up a series on that. Uh, relationships, so many things that the Holy Spirit brings about wholeness in our life. And what I want us to see today and through the rest of this year is the reality is without the presence of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us and among us, none of that is really possible. He brings the ministry of Jesus to us uh, through his power and through, through the healing that he is able to uh, just work in us and through us. Society looks for wholeness in different areas. Foods, am I right? You know, we, we do. I, I, I do. There's times where, you know, just nothing will satisfy uh, a long day like a chocolate chip cookie, freshly baked and warm. Uh, we look through it, and or fried chicken, like we're having. Uh, Sarah's putting all this together for the 14th. I mean, hello, speak to a pastor's heart by fried chicken. So, um, you know, we're going to bring together those type of things. We look to other people to bring wholeness, um, our careers, different successes. And here's, what, here's how God sees success, though. God sees success when we experience his presence. When we truly enter in to the throne room of God. That's how he measures success. The people met with me today. They came to church, but they met with me today. You know, you can go anywhere and meet with God. We meet with God at the race shop. You meet with God in your places where you work, in your own homes. That's how God sees success. The Bible even tells us that it's in his presence where there is fullness of joy, that we're able to find these things. Well, in our convention, we had um, a gentleman. His name is Banning Libsher. I believe I pronounced his last name correctly. He is the pastor of Jesus Culture, the church that's um, really taken off recently because of their worship team that travels around. They led worship for us while we were there. And he was talking about the attitude of worship, not, not up here, not the necessarily up here, also up here, but not just the music and the singers and all of that, but just the heart of worship. You know, one of our core values is we worship God in everyday life. So that's where I'm coming from today. But he was talking about his particular church and their ministry and why, one of the reasons why they are so successful. And he said, you know, worship music, we're talking about, let's go back to music for a moment, has become very mainstream. Now, that's a good thing, and that's also sometimes not a good thing, right? Let me, let me point out the reality of the not a good thing. Sometimes it's just about 
what it is. You know, everybody's into it. And, but here's the positives that I see in it. I would rather see my kids, our kids, go to a worship concert than a secular concert, right? I, I would. I would because they're, they're, they're hearing the words that magnify the Lord. So that's definitely a good thing. And I understand the criticism that comes about about, you know, just becoming just that, a concert. So I get all that. But here's what I see. If anything, our kids, us as adults, are lifting up the name of Jesus. But we must teach ourselves everybody sitting in here, and our children, and those who are around us within the church specifically, that a particular style of music, new or old, does not transform a life. It's only the presence of God that will transform a life. The power of worship to transform lives is not connected to popularity. It's connected to the power, or its, it's power to transform lives is connected to the presence of God. And he, he went on to say, you know, I get it, there's, there's certain songs that just hit you. You know, we all have those songs that they'll just hit us, and it, it takes us back to a time where maybe we were saved, and when we were saved, they were playing that particular song. Or this was the time that I was filled with the Holy Spirit, or God just assures me through this particular song. So there's all that that's out there as well. But the power of worship to transform lives is not connected to the popularity of what's going on. But it's the power to the power to transform lives is connected only to the presence of God. Here's what I want to bring out. If you want to turn to 1 Samuel 16, this is a scripture that we've heard uh, several times before. We do understand that music, whatever your particular style is, and this isn't about worship music today. We're just making a point here uh, to get us started. No matter what your style has a very powerful emotional pull. There may be certain styles of music that really, with the lyrics, pull you in to the throne room of God, and there's others that push you away. And what pushes you away may pull other people in, but God created music in a way that it does move people. He was very intentional in that. It moves people to begin to worship him. So I want us to look at this out of 1 Samuel 16, uh, verse 14 through verse 23 is where we'll go. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, Now the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul. Now that's, that's a statement there that I pray, God, David even pray, Lord, take not your holy presence from me, right? But the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Some of Saul's servants said to him, a tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp whenever the tormenting spirit trouble you. He will play soothing music and you will soon be well again. All right, Saul said, find me someone who plays well and bring him here. One of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he's a brave warrior, a man of war, and has good judgment. He is also a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. Catch that. The Lord is with him. That's the presence of God that was with David. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, send me your son David the shepherd. So Jesse responded by sending David to Saul along with a young goat, a donkey loaded with bread, and a wineskin full of wine. So David went to Saul and began to serve him. Saul loved David very much, and David became his armor-bearer. Then Saul sent word to Jesse asking, please let David remain in my service for I am very pleased with him. And whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, 
David would play the harp, then Saul would feel better, and the tormenting spirit would go away. It wasn't so much the music, although God, the Holy Spirit, used the channel of music to bring his spirit. The most important thing that we see here, though, is it was the presence of God that made the difference. David, in verse 18, the Lord was with him. And so as he began to worship, and it just so happened to be on a harp, as he began to do that, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, would flow at that point, and it would soothe the troubled soul. It would get rid of the tormenting spirit. The heart playing, well, it had something to do with it, but it was the presence of God. Why is the presence of God so important to us, so important in our lives? For this very reason, when he is with us, everything of this world any attack of the enemy has to flee because it's the presence of God. And in his presence, there is fullness of joy. As we praise him, God inhabits that. Psalm 22, 3, it says, You are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Israel was the people of God. We are now grafted in because of Jesus. We're the people of God. He is enthroned on the praises of his people. So collectively, we came here this morning and we sang songs. And God was lifted up. The name of Jesus was lifted up today. And God inhabited that. You know, when I talked about going up to camp on Friday night, and really I wasn't there very long. It was just long enough to drop the boys off. And so it was an hour drive there, hour drive back. And I had, the, uh, had a few things we did yesterday, uh, helping some folks move and going to Hannah's graduation party and all that kind of stuff, so congratulations. Um, so we got back for that, but just the brief time that I was there, I could sense the presence of God in that place. I've heard so many people, we'll get to this in just a moment, I've heard so many people say that when they come through the door, they sense the presence of God. Why is that? Because I have a bunch of praisers here who are ready to lift up the name of Jesus. When you walk into this place, it is so important to have already lifted up the name of Jesus. That you come in this house with praise on your lips. Now, sometimes you come in defeated. I get it. Sometimes I have. But I have to come in extra early, and I have to sit down front here, and I have to pray. Holy Spirit. I got up this morning, and as I was getting ready, God... We need your presence today. This gathering does not matter one bit without the presence of God. Doesn't matter one bit. I mean, I love to see you, right? Don't get me wrong. I love to see you. But we need the presence of God. If you want to go ahead and turn to Exodus uh, chapter 33, we'll be there in just a few moments as well. Um, I want us to, to look at something uh, that, that's going to be in here that um, Banning brought out to us as he was talking to all the Foursquare ministers. As we're leading up to Exodus chapter 33, the context before that, we see that the people of Israel had sinned by making a calf and worshiping this calf, this golden calf, just three months after they had left Israel. Not a lot of time. I mean, they saw the ten plagues happen, and they saw God deliver them from all of these things, 
walked out of Egypt with all of this gold that, that God had put upon the Egyptians' hearts to give them, saw the Red Sea, the, 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 yeah, Red sea was it the Red Sea, miraculously part before them. They went across it, and um, the, the cloud of fire at night and the pillar by day led them. They saw the presence of God. Three months into this, they're worshiping another idol. Now, we think these people are crazy. How could they do that? But then I think, well, there's times I've done that as well. I leave here on a Sunday, Sunday afternoon. I'm wondering how God is even going to do his thing. And I forget about his presence, right? So it's easy for me. Uh, let me just talk about me for, to judge in those particular areas when I see the children of Israel. You know, it's interesting. The Bible says here that three months after and they're worshiping, God wanted to wipe them out. He was done with them. Can you imagine having God that mad <laughs> that he wanted to wipe out a race of people? But look what Moses did. Well, I'll just tell you what he did. He interceded, and God chose to let Israel live. Um, but here's what he said to the people, and this is what we're going to get to. God said, you can still enter, to the promise, enter into the promised land, but my presence won't go with you. All the blessings are there a land flowing with milk and honey, you can have all that. I promised it to you. But you've chosen to worship another God, and so I'm not going to go with you. Look at what Moses did. Verse thir uh, chapter 33 of Exodus, verse 14. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. We talked about this about a year ago. God's promise was to Moses, wasn't to Israel. But look at Moses' response. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably, favorably upon me, on me and on your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. What sets Christians apart from anybody else in this world? It's the presence of God. We have to understand that. And when we understand that God's presence is with us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, not just on Sunday, we begin to live differently. Because we understand that the creator of the universe the very God, Jesus, who gave his life for our salvation to, to take care of our sin, we're tempted to, this, to do this uh, awful sin, and then we're like, but God is with me. How can I, in the face of the cross, cross that line? We have to be a people who understand that the presence of God is with us constantly. But in the Old Testament, they were running the risk of not having him with them because of the choices that they had made. It's your presence that sets us apart. Verse 17, the Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed what you have asked for, for I look favorably upon you, and I know you by name. That's a whole series on, or study on intercession. Thank God that Moses was willing to intercede for the people. We must pray for one another. I pray for you, you pray for me. It goes all around the room. You pray for them, they pray for you, that we would experience the presence of God in our lives and that that would lead us. 
as Benning was uh, talking, he issued a challenge to us, and I want to us as ministers, and I want to issue this challenge to you today. We have to make a decision similar to that decision that Moses made. We may even have to wrestle with the decision. But God, and here's the challenge, God asked Moses, do you want to go into the promised land without the presence of God or remain in the wilderness with the presence of God? See, here in the United States, man, we have so many blessings. We could call it the, our version of the promised land. We're, we're, most of us are, the poorest among us, I think the statistic is, the poorest among us are richer than like 80% of the world, 90% of the world's population, the poorest among us. We have so many material blessings those things that we see as successes. But this, this challenge is still here. Do you want to go into the promised land without the presence of God or remain in the wilderness with the presence of God? Verse 3, if, you'll, you know, if you back up there in Exodus, you, you'll see this whole thing where it talks about, it's a great land with many blessings, but I won't be with you. You'll have all the blessings because I promised them but I won't be with you. Moses did not hesitate one bit. He said he would rather stay in the wilderness with God than enter the blessings without God. So therein lies the challenge. Where are we? I love the material, physical, whatever blessings of God. But am I a man who is willing to going, we've all been through wilderness seasons, right? Has anybody not been through a wilderness? We've been through wilderness seasons in life. Lisa just came back where, one month and a half, you were two months. You were in Michigan. You were in Virginia, you know, just surrounded by death, really. People who were suffering. And I talked to you and the presence of God was with you. Are we willing to be in those wilderness seasons to be with the presence of God or say, God, can you take all this misery, all these blessings away as long as I have your presence? Is that enough for us? There's the challenge. Moses was not in pursuit of a promise or a land. He was in pursuit of the presence of God. His heart longed for God. My question, what are you in pursuit of today? What are the things that you are pursuing? What am I pursuing? When I ask these questions earlier this week, I've already had to ask myself, what are some things that I am pursuing? And it's good to pursue things. God puts desires in our heart. He puts goals and visions and dreams and different things in our hearts to pursue. But above it all, are we pursuing God's presence? In it all, are we pursuing the presence of God? The second point, worship transforms lives because his presence is connected to it. We worship God in our everyday life. That's, our, that's our, um, one of our core values. Everyday life should be a worship to the Lord. Worship transforms lives because his presence is connected to it. Here's our memory verse, and I want us to say this together um, as we normally do. It's out of Psalm 1611. And so can you read this with me? It says, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Worship transforms lives because his presence is connected to it. 
I wrote this question down. Will we be a people in pursuit of his presence or the world's view of success? Nothing else would satisfy Moses. I know that you have promised us this land flowing with milk and honey. We're ready. We're tired of the wilderness. We're tired of the sand. We're tired of, they were tired of the quail after they were tired of not having quail. They were tired of manna. They were, they were just living in tents. But Moses said, I would still rather stay here than go to those promises without you. Nothing else would satisfy him. Not milk and honey, not a vast land. Everything else was ruined in comparison to experiencing God's presence. So why was Moses any different? Well, Moses had ascended to the mountain of God and was surrounded by the glory of God. You know, because of Jesus, we have that same access. We have the ability to experience the presence of God almost tangibly, almost as if he is right there beside of you. You know what I'm talking about? You, you just know that he is there. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I promise you, you can experience that. It's just by inviting him, by asking him, by being aware. God, may we experience your presence. May we not pursue anything other than, I should say, above the presence of God. And may we be ruined for anything else other than the presence of God. Now, here's how I want to illustrate it. There are certain things that we... We all have these different things that you and I buy that um, we, we don't cheap on. We don't get generic of certain things. What are some things that you do not buy generic? Apple products. I hear you, sister. Take that, Jake. Jake's like, no. <laughs> what else that you, do you buy that's not generic? Duke's mayonnaise, right? What else? Peanut butter. Sasha will not buy generic peanut butter. She, Jif peanut butter. It, it, it's true. She, that's where she's what? Can we say toilet paper? There's certain things you don't buy cheap. Or am, I, am I right? There's certain things that you all have that you don't buy cheap because you've tried the good stuff, the good peanut butter, and you're ruined to the bad peanut butter. You've tried the Duke's mayonnaise, and everything else just pales in comparison, right? How much? <laughs> I'm getting more amens on that. No. <laughs> you must live in the South if. But what about the presence of God? Everything else should pale in comparison to the presence of God. Only God can satisfy. Don't substitute an experience an emotion, a provision, a worship song, anything else for the incomparable presence of God because only he can satisfy. No person, including your spouse, can match the presence of God. Now, we're not saying throw your spouse to the side, right? They're, they're important. God has placed them there for you. No provision can compare. No material thing, no emotion can compare to the presence of God. 
Worship was never meant to be about performance, and I'm talking about singing songs, yes, but I'm talking also about when you're at home in your shower and you're just, you know, you've got the hair, I don't know, do you carry a hairbrush in the shower? I don't know the answer to that. You don't sing into the shampoo bottle, you know, and it's a performance type of thing. It's his presence that's so important. It's his presence, not about the performance. Having said that, Style preference never equals his presence either. You may be the best singer in your household <laughs> while you're in the shower, right? You got your particular style, but that never equals his presence. It's about being with your Savior. It's about being with your Creator. That's the importance. The best preacher without God's presence will not change you. <clears throat> My presence and your presence cannot change your heart. Only God can. God will use you. We understand that. But only God can. We cannot, now this is a challenge to our church. We cannot get caught up, and to the Foursquare Church, get caught up in offering better preaching, better programs, better worship, better children's ministry, better whatever, without his presence. We should see ourselves and turning, um, we, are sh we should see ourselves and others by turning our affections to Jesus rather than to a preacher, a ministry, a style of worship, a children's ministry, this, that, and the other, right? The biggest compliment, and I hit on this earlier, that our church can receive is, I don't know what it is, but I feel different when I'm in this house. Or in your literal house. Or in your cubicle at work. In your space at work. When I'm around you, there's just something that's different. It's because it's the presence of God. We can't cheapen that. We can't substitute that for something else. It can't be the, uh, some people may like Hellman's. It can't be the Hellman's mayonnaise to the Deeks. And that's cheapening that, right? But you understand what I'm saying. We can't cheapen it with anything else. My preach and don't amen this, please. No, you can amen it. I'm just teasing. My preaching doesn't change lives. Our worship leaders and worship team and musicians don't change lives. Our teachers back here, their abilities don't change lives. The greeters smile when you come in, don't change lives. The tech people don't change lives without the presence of God. Now, with the presence of God... All these things can happen. You know what I find amazing? Is I can walk to the back after a church service and feel that I have totally bombed my message. And people will come out and say, man, what you said there really hit me today. I would rather, now I prepare, okay, so don't get me wrong when I'm saying this. I prepare through the week. I study. I, I get it in me. I pray, God, let your presence I would rather walk to the back every Sunday feeling that I have bombed and people touched because of the presence of God. Amen. Much rather. That's part of that, Lord, let me experience the wilderness with your presence rather than being the most gifted speaker or the best greeter or the best children's worker or the best employee at Klein's Auto or whatever it is, wherever you work. With the presence of God. Acts 17, verse 28 says, For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. We're people of God. 
We get to experience his presence. And in him we live, we move, and we have our being. And when we understand that, we take his presence with us as well. Number three, do we <clears throat> desire guaranteed success without God or to live in the wilderness with God? The reality in the body of Christ is that we cannot define success without his presence. We cannot chase versions of success without God's definition of success, his presence with us. Insecurity will cause me and will cause you to chase versions of success. For example, we, he, this is something that Banning, Pastor Banning was bringing out. He said, for us church leaders type of thing, he said, we can feel like heroes on Easter and on Father's Day and the week after Father's Day, we can feel like failures. Why is that? Well, people are on vacation, and your numbers are low. But on Easter, they're through the roof. But if we, now we need to measure those things, right? Because we need to, there's adjustments that we can make along the way as well. But we cannot mark our success on physical things. It has to be upon his presence. It must be upon the presence of God. Last week, we had the lowest attendance of the year so far. Easter was overflowing, but God's presence was just as real. It's just an example from church world, from church ministry. What does that look like in your life? I don't know. You have to define that. How does God define success versus how we define success? And here's another challenge. I know that this that banning was really challenging us as ministers, and I want to challenge you as well. He said, when did Jesus stop being enough? I want you to think about that for a moment. When did Jesus stop being enough? And he told us, he said, you know, you, you got to have the latest this, the best that, the, most, the highest numbers of your region, this, that. When did Jesus stop being enough? Sales through the roof, uh, family, no issues in your family. All when did Jesus stop being enough? Verse 14, 16, John, I'm sorry, John 14, 16 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. That's the Holy Spirit, his presence with us. When did he stop being enough? The Father, Jesus, they have given us the Holy Spirit. He should be enough. Instead, we think Jesus plus numbers is enough. Jesus plus more pay is enough. Jesus plus a happier family, that's enough. But we must desire his presence. Measurements are important. Results are important. I do keep up with numbers, but we cannot define success there. It must be found in the presence and only in the presence of God. If we want to see God move again in a powerful way, we must seek his presence. I'm going to ask Miss Vicki to come because I want us to take the last few minutes uh, as I make these last couple statements just really to evaluate based on these challenges, and I'll repeat them here in just a few moments, based on these challenges to make corrections if we need to, to um, make a fresh commitment if we need to. But the question is, do you want to see people set free? in your family, in your church, in your workplaces? Do you want to see people healed, 
Do you want to see, or maybe you want yourself to be accepted? Do you want to see chains and addictions broken? Seek his presence. Do you want to see things improve in your workplace? Do you want to see things improve in your, biz, uh, in your family? Those things are fine. Seek his presence. When did Jesus stop being enough? And I had to think about that. And I want you to think about that this morning. And maybe God, maybe the Holy Spirit is dealing with you in a particular area that, you know, it, it, it's, not a, it's not an intentional thing that I had. It's, I didn't mean for it to happen. But over the course of time, yeah, I guess I was looking at everything else to be enough. When did Jesus stop being enough? Seek his presence and even ask, God, are you present? Can we stand this morning? And yes, I had you stand. I may have you, you may decide to do something a little bit different here in just a moment. But I want you to seek the presence of God. And I want you, like I have done this week, um, to repent in the areas where you need to repent of seeking things more than Jesus. Just not even conscious about it, right? So if you want to kneel where you are, remain standing, you can have a seat. If you want to come to these altars, um, Let's, let's take just a few minutes and do that. Let's begin to seek the presence of God in the face of Jesus. I believe the Lord gave me this picture just through uh, something that happened last night. Um, <clears throat> Matt and Jen are at camp with our youth, and so we have Emily and Natalie staying at our house. Talk about a fun adventure. Um, so last night, Emily's feeling a little bit anxious. She misses her mom and dad. And uh, we had had a fun day. They went swimming. Um, just all kinds of fun that they had, but there came the time where everything was shutting down, and then there was the realization that mom and dad wasn't there, and it was bedtime, and there was tiredness that was going on, and so Stasha had been in the room with them, getting them ready for bed, and praying with them, and uh, everything, and so <clears throat> after she gets them settled, um, I'm just there in our room, and uh, looking over something, I don't know, but... Uh, she comes in there, and she's got a little bit of tears in her eyes, you know, because she's missing mom and dad. And uh, we thought everything was good. You know, they're going to sleep, all these. 
And so she came in, I just, I'm just, I don't feel very good. My stomach's upset. Kind of worked herself up a little bit, you know. So um, I knew Natalie was asleep, and I just, you know, I didn't want to go into the room or anything and uh, where they were. So Stasha gets ready, and she's getting out of the shower and all these things and gets dressed. And um, so she goes into the room, and she just lays down um, with Emily and they start telling stories, and they start laughing, and they start giggling a little bit. And, um, you know, it was, it was Stasha's presence that was there. It wasn't mom and dad, but it was Stasha's presence that was there. Now, tomorrow, when mom and dad come home, Emily's probably going to sleep very, very good, right? But the point that I want to bring about is there's nothing that will substitute anxieties, fears, loneliness, worry, in the presence of God. Do you find yourself in that place? Go to your heavenly father. Doug and Lisa are going to pray us out of here this morning. And um, if you have any needs whatsoever, please come up, let them pray for you. Um, just that, you know, maybe you need agreement. You just, I, I need the presence of God. Can you agree with me in this? And or healing in your body, they'll be able to, uh, to help you out with that. But I'll see you at the back. We love you.